0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, a Senior uh, Vice President at the Family Research Council. Glad to be filling in for Tony, who, by the way, is taking some much-needed time off right now, and I'm honored to be filling in for him and thrilled to have you on board with us this evening Coming up on this edition of Washington Watch, President Biden is out west today to highlight the progress he thinks he's made on his agenda. And today he gave remarks on the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which, quite frankly, has nothing to do with reducing inflation. In fact, the word inflation didn't even come up in his remarks today. Instead, the president did make very clear what the so-called Inflation Reduction Act really is all about.
2: Last year, I signed the largest climate bill in the history, not only of the United States, but literally in the history of the world. I didn't get any help from the guys on the other team. Every single solitary
1: person voted against this historic clean energy investment. And now many of
2: them are trying again to repeal these parts of the bills. But we won't let them. There's too much at stake.
1: So there you go. The Inflation Reduction Act, as we told you, has nothing to do with inflation. It's all about climate change. So how can the president claim that inflation has gone down because of the so-called Inflation Reduction Act? Well, I'll be discussing this in just a little while with Congressman Alex Mooney, who is a member of the House Financial Services Committee. And if the Inflation Reduction Act isn't reducing inflation, then what has it been doing? I'll dig into that legislation more with Congressman Buddy Carter, who's a member of the House Budget Committee and the House Committee on Energy and Commerce. And speaking of the president's promises to his voting base, one promise he's given was dealt another big blow this week. A federal appeals court has blocked the Biden administration from revising rules for who is eligible for his student loan bailout program. I'll discuss this with Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey, who challenged President Biden's unconstitutional student loan plan. And then finally, we'll be talking with family members of the 13 U.S. service members who were killed in Afghanistan two years ago during the Biden administration's botched withdrawal. They all shared their testimony yesterday and called out the Biden administration for failing them and for trying to cover up the truth from the american people
2: we were told lies
3: given incomplete reports incorrect reports total disrespect i was told to my face he died on impact that's not true the only reason that i know this is because witnesses told me the truth i was lied to and basically told to shut up that that's the way it was not true
1: It was an emotional, emotional forum, for sure. And the testimonies were powerful. That was Kelly Barnett, one of the Gold Star family members who testified at that forum that was held by Congressman Darrell Issa in California just yesterday. I'll get an analysis of those testimonies from Tom Kilgannon, president of Freedom Alliance, which is an organization that meets the needs of our wounded service members, combat veterans, and military families. I'll also discuss the Biden administration's botched withdrawal from Afghanistan with our very own Lieutenant General Jerry Boykins. So we've got a packed show, as always, for you. And just by way of reminder, if by any chance you missed some portion of today's program, you can always catch it at our website, which is TonyPerkins.com. And of course, there are many, many other programs and a host of other resources available there for you as well. So be sure to check out The website tonyperkins.com all right let's jump into today's program president biden as i mentioned traveled to the grand canyon today announcing plans for a new national monument there in the desert but the president's trip out west comes at a time when he continues to boast about his economic record that saw inflation literally skyrocket under his watch working families All across the country continue to feel the pinch every day so what did we learn from the president's remarks well joining me now to discuss this and more is congressman alex mooney he serves on the house financial services committee and represents the second congressional district of the great state of west virginia congressman mooney welcome back to washington watch great to see you my friend
4: hey great to be with you jody great show you have here
1: well thank you and uh We're honored to have you. All right, listen, let's just begin your take on the president's remarks today.
4: Well, when the man spends our country $5 trillion more in the debt in the first two years of his presidency, clearly he's causing inflation. He doesn't know anything about reducing inflation. The the way they name these bills, you know what the bill does? Because it does the opposite of what Joe Biden names it. The so-called Inflation Reduction Act increases inflation. And, you know, here in West Virginia, we rely, rely a lot on coal and natural gas. It literally taxed the coal industry, raised taxes on coal production, devastating West Virginia, which is why it's a shame Joe Manchin and all the Democrats went along with it. As the president said in your pre-show there, this is part of the Green New Deal. They just have a vision that essentially it's an emotional belief that there shouldn't be coal, and there, that there shouldn't be oil and gas. and They're just going to go after those industries and try to shut them down. And that all causes inflation. It causes unemployment. And it's completely unnecessary. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised to see what he said because we knew that was the truth all along. I was surprised to see the president attack the Republican Party saying, you know, that not one Republican voted for it. So what he's implying there was a pure Democrat uh, passed legislation because they couldn't get any bipartisan support because it was such a bad piece of pizza, such a bad plan, really.
1: Well, it was a bad plan, and it had nothing to do with the the economy in terms of reducing inflation, as he even admitted today. It was all about climate change and green energy, uh, and we could unpack that. I'm sure you could unpack that enormously, and maybe we'll have an opportunity to do that. But I wanted to play a clip for you, Congressman, uh, from the Vice President Kamala Harris. Uh, She was also making her rounds and was boasting about where we are now with inflation. Play clip, please, for and I'd like to uh, get your reaction. Clip three.
3: Today, the unemployment rate is near the lowest it has been in over half a century in our country. (laughs) Wages are up, and inflation has fallen 12 months in a row.
4: Wow. Give me your reaction. You know, we have put so many people on government programs. We've incentivized non-working. Uh, it's, it's a shame. A lot of people just stop looking for work. They can rig those numbers because it doesn't count people who have given up looking or have chosen to live in a way that, that they can live off government, you know, like welfare and other things. I'm not talking about, you know, people who've earned their retirement or veterans. I'm talking about people who take advantage of the system. So I don't know that those numbers are accurate. And, you know, like, everywhere we go, there's there's – you know, I know here in West Virginia, there's, you know, help wanted signs. They're looking for people who want to work and people want to work in farms and retail and restaurants. So it's it's a real struggle to get people who want to work these days. We need to incentivize work. We need to reduce taxes and you can keep more of what you earn. Return ourselves to a free country with free market economics that rewards, you know, the work ethic. And so I know they have a vision, the, the socialist vision that frankly, it's a Marxist vision from each according to their ability according to their needs, where you you get all the benefits of living in this great country, even if you don't work. Uh, But those numbers won't hold. Inflation's out of control. I mean, we're borrowing so much. You know, the average child born today owes a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt. And, you know, we're borrowing from our children's future. We need to work and pay taxes and work hard. So we're, you know, they're just living in a different world, Jody. I don't don't know. It's so hard to even get, unpack all the falsehoods and all the misinformation that's being spread from this administration, frankly, the the most radical administration we've ever seen.
1: Well, And it's so hypocritical, too, because when you have a shutdown of virtually the entire economy uh, and using COVID as the excuse to do so, and then when that is over and people start going back to work, you can't count that as new jobs. I mean, I've seen figures from 70 to 80 percent of the so-called new jobs are just people going back to work, but they claim it as a strong economy. The vice president was also uh, selling the public, trying to, on Bidenomics. Uh, play clip two for me, please.
3: It's called Bidenomics. <laughs> Bidenomics. And Bidenomics is working.
4: Is
1: Bidenomics
4: working? <laughs> Absolutely not. Socialism does not work. Every country that's tried it, having the government run your life, take over health care, I mean, it, it is, it's really a shame to see them look at it that way. Uh, you know, We have taxes out of control. We have, you know, people just looking to government to take care of them. And it's, it's just, it's certainly not working. Um, we need to get people back to work. Look, just the inflation alone, all this spending, I mean, folks who are working now. Unless you've had a 15 percent raise in the last couple of years, you've lost money on your paycheck. Inflation is taking away from people who work and, frankly, taking away from people who have saved all their lives. I mean, 15 percent inflation since Biden's becomes president approximately has robbed people's savings from them. That is not working. That's a redistribution of wealth. That's what they're trying to do. Redistribute wealth from those who work and save and give it to those who do not and have not earned it. And it's nothing—nothing it's nothing more unfair than, than senior citizens living on a fixed income, who have saved all their lives, have it in a retirement account, and literally lose money because inflation is so high. That's what's happening here, and that is absolutely not working uh, for most yeah, Americans. And,
1: yeah, you, you know, and I just saw gas—we're all watching gas prices are soaring yet again. Yeah, the president has used up an enormous amount of our strategic petroleum reserve. We now, as uh, article I saw today, we only have 18 days worth of that SPR remaining, and it will take decades to refill it. Uh, it it's just it's stunning to me what this administration tries to take credit for. Uh, Congressman, if I can switch gears, uh, you know, what we we can talk a lot about what the administration should be doing chances are they're never going to get around to what they should be doing. They're too focused on their own radical agenda that is continually chipping away at the well-being of our country. But you recently introduced legislation to eliminate the DEI office in the House of Representatives. Tell us what that is and why you have moved forward with this legislation.
4: Yeah, there's been a a wokeness that's beginning to take over a lot of agencies and government and even private industry. And they spend this time pushing what they call diversity, equality, and inclusion. And really, it's exclusion, and it's, it's you know, pushing the whole woke agenda into, into government and private industry. But we have an office of that right, right on Capitol Hill. And the House of Representatives, by ourselves, could just pass the legislation to eliminate that. We've actually, Jody, passed amendments on the House floor, you will be pleased to hear, to eliminate those offices from the military and other government agencies. We've, we've had the votes to eliminate those offices in our appropriations bills and our other legislation that we've passed, Um, but we we authorize it right in in Congress. So uh, that's obviously something we need to eliminate. Just treat everybody the same, treat everybody fair, regardless of who you are, where you came from, everyone gets treated the same. We don't need these special offices, and frankly, divide us. These offices and these agendas, they divide us based on our sex and our race and our ethnicity. We should stop dividing America, just treat everybody equally. So my, my, my plan just eliminates that office, returns that money to the taxpayers,
1: what kind of, uh, how's it going? What kind of support? Are you seeing other colleagues come on board
4: with you? Yes, yes, several of my colleagues have co-sponsored the legislation, it has got to get through the Rules Committee and the House Admin Committee. But it, it highlights it because again, like I said, we've passed this, we've passed this on the agencies that the government re- uh, regulates. So we should start right reading it right here at home. Look, we have a five seat majority in the House of Representatives, you know, you, you serve there. I'm very thankful we have that 5 majority. It's slim, but thank God we have it. We control the committee. That's right. And, and we can, when we when we Got to wrap it up or, right there. Okay. Congressman thank Alex you.
1: Mooney, <clears throat> thank you for joining us on Washington Watch. Coming up, Anytime. we'll talk more about the Inflation Reduction Act and what it really does. Stay tuned.
0: their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous.
3: Good afternoon. Welcome back to Washington Watch.
1: Glad to have you joining us this evening. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, and we appreciate you being on board with us. All right. The Inflation Reduction Act passed through Congress and was signed into law in August of last year. But with the bill was being considered in Congress, conservatives all over the place really understood that this bill was perhaps one of the worst misnamed bills in American history because it was not about reducing inflation. It was all about climate change, as we've already mentioned briefly in the program. So did the president really do anything? Has he done anything to bring down inflation? Well, joining me now to discuss this is Congressman Buddy Carter. He is a member of the House Budget Committee and also the House Committee on Energy and Commerce. He represents my great state of Georgia and our state's first congressional district. Congressman Carter, great to see you. Welcome back to Washington
5: Watch. Thank you, Jody. It's always good to see you, man. I, I'm so happy you're doing well. And, and listen, we miss you. We miss your conservative values, and, and we just miss your presence on Capitol Hill.
1: Well, thank you so much. Please send my love to all the delegation there, if you would. All right, let's jump into this, uh, Congressman, if we can. Uh, it's been a year. Uh, right out a year since the Inflation Reduction Act was enacted. Uh, tell us what you hear from your constituents. What, what, what are they saying, as, whether they know about this bill or not? The bill certainly is misnamed. But what is the condition? What are your constituents experiencing regarding inflation and the economy as a whole?
5: Well, first of all, you're right, Jody. It is misnamed. It's called the Inflation Reduction Act. It, it ought to be called the Inflation Expansion Act. You know, the, President Biden and this administration, they want to take credit for lowering inflation. Well, Let's let's compare apples to apples here. I mean, when they took office, inflation was at 1.4%. And look at what it is now. And that's what the people in the 1st Congressional District in Georgia and throughout the state of Georgia are saying about the Inflation Reduction Act. They're saying that it has not reduced inflation at all. It's still expensive. Gas is still expensive. It's gone up even more here during the summertime, which it typically does. But it's gone up even more. Not only that, but the price of food, the price of everything. And, you know, Jody, I'll be quite honest with you. Bidenomics in Georgia is a four-letter word, and it's not a very nice word at all. People are tired of this. They're tired of these policies, and that's what it's about. It's about policies. As you well know, Jody, you you were a champion for, for conservative policies that we need and and a supporter of, of President Trump and his policies and and. And that's what we've been trying to do in the new Republican majority in Congress is the commitment to America. And, you know, H.R. 1 was the lowering energy cost. What we're trying to do is to make America energy independent again. We understand how important energy independence is to our national security. We understand how important pharmaceutical independence is to our national security How important food independence is to our national security. Yet this administration has done nothing but throw all of those out the door. Day one, this administration declared war on fossil fuels, causing an increase in prices of gas, causing an increase in inflation, causing an increase in interest rate. And now we have the mess we have in the economy. It's unbelievable. And exclamation point
1: on all those various sectors that you just mentioned. Let let me just throw this out and get your reaction to this. All right, we've established the Inflation Reduction Act had nothing to do with reducing inflation. In fact, it's had the opposite impact, but really it was all about uh, climate change, It's about green energy. So let me just throw this out to you. Is there any conceivable way that provisions for clean energy, uh, tax credits, for example, uh, does green energy in any way actually help to reduce
5: inflation? No, no. In fact, it increases inflation. Look, Jody, I, I believe in climate change. I do. I believe it's cyclical. I can remember. I'm old enough to remember, Jody. I'm old enough to remember the early 70s when we thought we were back in an ice age. And I, I can that. actually <laughs> remember that. Absolutely. Yeah. And it is cyclical. And that's what we're going through now. But this rush to green that this administration, that the Democrats have undertaken here, is what's causing our problems here. Look, we in the state of Georgia, we get it. We understand that we have a, a we have a responsibility to our environment. I represent the entire coast of Georgia, as you well know. I love the entire coast of Georgia. This is my home. It's where I've lived all my life. Where I intend to live the rest of my life. I want to make sure that my children, my grandchildren, enjoy the same environment, the natural resources that that I was able to enjoy. I want to make sure of that. However, this rush to green is ridiculous. I mean, you know, when you think about it, here we are in the United States of America. We've done more to decrease carbon emissions in the last decade. We've decreased our carbon emissions more in this country in the last decade than the next 12 countries combined. And and we've done it with an all-of-the-above type energy strategy. And that's what I've subscribed to. Just this past week, we had the first nuclear reactor in over 30 years to go operational, Reactor 3, Unit 3, at Plant Vogel. I'm a big advocate for nuclear power, and I think it's, uh, it's baseload, it's clean, It's it's reliable. We need that. That's one of the reasons why here in the state of Georgia, we've been so successful economically. Because and, and attracting businesses because we have reliable energy, we have clean energy here, and that's very important. But I am concerned, I'm concerned about this rush to green, particularly as it relates to the to, to all of the rules and regulations that we're having to follow. That's what's killing our economy, is crushing our economy. You know, President Trump did such a good job of, of streamlining the, the permitting process. We had this economy clicking when he was in office. That's what Republican policies do for America. And that goes Let me- to show you that elections have consequences because policies have
1: consequences. Absolutely. We've got a bit just less than 45 seconds left. If if you and the Republicans had your way, what needs to really happen to help the wallets of the
5: American people? 30 seconds. What needs to happen is that we need to unleash our energy potential here in America. And we need to do that immediately. You know, we, we all agree we need to decrease carbon emissions, but that doesn't mean you decrease choices. And that's what pe- they don't understand. That's what the other side doesn't understand. We can unleash our energy potential here in America, decrease the rules and regulations without a calm in our economy, we can get our economy back on, on, on without hurting our environment, we can get our economy back on the track. Thank you,
1: Representative Buddy Carter. Great seeing you. God bless you.
5: Always good to see you, my friend.
1: Likewise. All right, friends, coming up, Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey will join me to discuss another court defeat for President Biden, this one on student loans and the bailout attempt there. So stay tuned. Much more coming your way right after this break.
3: Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled, A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives.
6: Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good afternoon. Hope you're having a great day. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, and we're honored to have you on board with us. All right. President Biden's unlawful effort to bail out those with student loan debt triggered a lawsuit and it's eventual overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court. But despite that defeat, the Biden administration continues its efforts to bail out uh, student loans, and they're attempting continually to revise the rules for those who are eligible for a handout. Well, this week, Federal appeals court blocked the Biden administration from revising those rules. And the question is, has the Biden administration learned a lesson or is it time for them to go back to school? Well, joining me now to discuss this is uh, Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey who challenged President Biden's unconstitutional student loan bailout. Attorney General Bailey, always great to see you. Welcome back to Washington Watch.
7: Thanks for having me on. Great to be here.
1: Well, it's always great to have you. All right, so let's begin with the court ruling on the student loan bailout. What did this ruling say?
7: Well, it was a fantastic win for working families across this nation. Uh, we're not going to let Joe Biden saddle working families with Ivy League debt. Everybody knows that the Constitution gives the power of the purse to the Congress, not the president. And he tried to get a bill done, so he knew this was wrong. And when he failed to get congressional action and congressional approval, he struck out on his own. And the problem is it's, a, it's not only is it violative of the Constitution and the separation of powers doctrine in that the president has not authorized the power of the purse, but the statute he tried to use in the rulemaking process uh, did not authorize that large of a redistribution of wealth to the tune of a half trillion dollars. And so the court rightly said, hey, look, if you're going to you can't hide an elephant in a mouse hole. It's the, the major questions doctrine. If Congress intends to authorize the president to uh, redistribute a half trillion dollars of debt, it needs to exp- speak explicitly. This reins in uh, federal overreach in the administrative state, which is a good thing for freedom and liberty across the United States of America.
1: You know, what gets me is how he just suffered a, a blow with the Supreme Court. I mean, the Supreme Court took him. And yet that wasn't enough. They come back around. So help us understand what the Biden administration was trying to do following the defeat that was handed to them by the Supreme Court.
7: Well, and you make an excellent point, which is that the timing is really a a telltale sign that they knew what they had done was was legally incorrect, was legally wrong, was illegal. They had plan B ready to go the day plan A was struck down by the court. You don't have a plan B ready if you think if you're confident in your legal position on plan A. And so that really speaks to the nefarious nature of the behavior here. And and it, look, the Biden administration has consistently take the posi- taken the position that they get to do whatever they want until someone tells them to stop. And that's why it's up to uh, Republican attorneys general to take them to court and get, you know, get a court order telling them to stop. That's the best mechanism we have in our d- disposal right now to protect our constitutional rights and ensure that the rule of law is respected and enforced by the president, who took an oath to ensure that the law is faithfully executed, whereas in this instance he is uh, consistently perverting the law to achieve a policy objective. That he couldn't get through Congress.
1: Well, that's one of the reasons we are so grateful for attorneys generals such as yourself who are pushing back. And it's always great to have you come on and share with us what, what's really going on. Now, as I understand it is what I've seen, the Biden administration appears that they're going to appeal this. So that being the case, where does this all go from here?
7: Yeah, it'll go to up to the Court of Appeals and, you know, eventually likely back up to the United States Supreme Court. I mean, uh, like you said, it it appears that the Biden administration learned nothing from the loss we handed them at the United States Supreme Court the last time. And I think the court has spoken explicitly on this issue. Uh, Again, President Biden knows it's wrong. He tried to get a bill through Congress and failed to do so. So he he, he knows that this requires congressional authorization and and unless and until he obtains it. Uh, it's difficult to see how a path forward for him legally. But again, it it seems as if he doesn't care. I mean, it it seems as if he's willing to do whatever he can, unless and until somebody tells him to stop. And that's what the the court process is for.
1: And even when he is told to stop, somehow they continue trying to push their radical agenda. If I can switch gears with you, you are set to deliver uh, oral arguments soon in the big tech censorship lawsuit which is another huge issue. Can you kind of give us a preview on where this is going?
7: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We filed a lawsuit against the Biden administration that's uncovered a relationship of coercion and collusion between the White House across a spectrum of bureaucratic agencies uh, with woke big tech social media corporations to silence American voices in violation of the First Amendment right to free speech. And look, I, I believe like the founding fathers that the rights in the Bill of Rights come from God, not man. And that the the Bill of Rights and the Constitution is intended to protect us from the government uh, and that those principles enshrined in in the First Amendment, it's no coincidence that free speech, freedom of religion and freedom of the press are all in the very First Amendment because they're rights of conscience. And yet the Biden administration has no regard for Americans' right to free speech on big tech social media. We can clearly demonstrate that they coerced and colluded with big tech to target American voices. Anyone that questioned uh, the effectiveness of vaccines or mask mandates or, or questioned the legitimacy of an election was subject to censorship, at the demand of the federal government. That's been demonstrated not only through our lawsuit, from, but from the work that uh, Congressman Jordan has has put forward in the Facebook files, and then certainly those corroborate and reiterate the evidence that we put on at court. We obtained a nationwide injunction building a wall of separation between tech and state. The trial court handed down that injunction on the 4th of July in celebration of our nation's founding, and the Department of Justice quickly appealed that decision, and we're at the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, and we'll be taking the fight to the appellate court uh, this week and are confident in our ultimate success in in obtaining, uh, making sure that preliminary injunction stays in place.
1: You know, and it's not just uh, misinformation that this administration would like to have all of us believe, but even a truth that was spoken with Big Tech was censored. And so it's anything that this administration disagrees with, they want to silence. Thank you, Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey. We are deeply grateful for you. Thank you for coming on the program with us this evening.
7: Thank you so much for having me on.
1: Always great to have you. All right, friends, much more coming your way on Washington Watch. We're going to transition to the military and the botched Afghanistan withdrawal two years ago. Had some emotional testimony about that, given you'll want to hear it. Stay tuned for much more right after this break.
6: Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to prayvotestand.org. Again, that's prayvotestand.org.
0: FRC celebrating 40 years with
1: Well, first of all, let me just say thank you to FRC and, and their staff for for doing two things that I think are so important in representative uh, government. Uh, one is, as I like to say, is that you hold us accountable, but what's more important is that you're an extension of your representative government. You are an extension of those of us who, who, who take the pledge and, and pledge our allegiance to our country and to our constitution Um, but lean heavily on on you and and what you provide. So
8: keep up the great work. We need you.
1: Senator Kevin Kramer from North Dakota. It's an honor to serve with him in the House of Representatives, and we're thrilled to see him moving over to the Senate right now and doing a great job there. But I want to encourage you to join us this September 15th through the 17th in Washington, D.C., as we are going to be having our Pray, Vote, Stand Summit. At the same time, we're going to be celebrating 40 years as standing for faith, for family, for freedom. Family Research Council has been an incredible blessing, and as you hear testimony after testimony from those who are on the front line, it continues to be an enormous source of encouragement and support. I want to encourage you to visit our website, PrayVoteStand.org, for more details and to register and we hope to see you there September 15th through the 17th. All right, it was two years ago this month. It was August 26th. I remember it well. uh, 13 U.S. service members were killed in Afghanistan during the Biden's botched withdrawal. And since then, Gold Star families of the fallen have reportedly been shut out and ignored by an, an administration that wants the American people, frankly, to forget all about the disaster that it created, which, by the way, was a disaster that probably emboldened Russia to invade Ukraine. At any rate, yesterday, members of those uh, Gold Star families testified at a public forum convened by Congressman Darrell Issa of California, and indeed, it was an emotional time of testimony.
3: We were told lies, given incomplete reports, incorrect reports. Total disrespect. I was told to my face he died on impact. That's not true. The only reason that I know this is because witnesses told me the truth. I was lied to and basically told to shut up. That's the way it was. Not true.
1: Wow. That was Kelly Barnett, one of the family members who testified yesterday. So just how badly has this administration failed those Gold Star families? Joining me now to discuss this is Tom Kilgannon. He's the president of Freedom Alliance, which meets the needs of our wounded service members, combat veterans, and military families. Tom, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to have you,
8: Jody. Always great to be on the program, and congratulations to Family Research Council on 40 years of doing amazing and important work. Well, thank you so much for that, and I couldn't
1: agree more. An amazing organization. All right. Well, you heard some of the other testimonies, uh, Kelly Barnett. We just heard a clip of, but there were quite a number of others yesterday. Um, uh, tell us about what really stood
8: out to you as you listened to those testimonies, Jody. I think there's no other way to describe it other than heartbreaking and unforgivable. Uh, Kelly Barnett is is the mom of Staff Sergeant Darren Staff Sergeant Darren Hoover, 31 years old, who did three deployments uh, during. Uh, his, uh, the uh, global war on terror. Now, uh, and she's saying that the administration lied to her about the nature of her son's death. Uh, She was told that uh, Darren uh, was killed immediately in the bombing when uh, she found out from uh, witnesses on the ground that in fact, he was not, he was very badly wounded. He lived for uh, a while longer. He applied his own tourniquet and he was supplying ammunition to his fellow marines so why is this family not getting the full story the full and complete story that's what these gold star families are owed uh, at a very minimum you know we designate these families as gold star because that means that there ought to be and i think there is among most americans uh a a solemnity and a level of respect uh that is at the highest level but it's not coming from this administration Uh, Kelly Barnett is told, said that she was lied to by senior members of the administration, by members of the military. And that is not the only family to say such things. Multiple families have said similar things about the information they received about their son's deaths at Kabul. It's amazing.
1: So how do we wrap our brain around this? What do you make of the responses coming from this administration to these families and others since the, the botched withdrawal?
8: I think it's, um, this is not the only time that we've heard this kind of thing. Throughout the uh, withdrawal of Afghanistan or the lead up to it, there were um, uh, reports that were inaccurate. I think there were lies. There were uh, stories that were being told that uh, were, were just not true. And then when you got down to August of 2021 and uh, the actual withdrawal, it was, uh, it was the most um, embarrassing and, and unnecessary uh, loss of life that America has had in a long time. This just should not be tolerated. And since then, there has really, Jody, been no accountability from this administration. Nobody was taken out to the woodshed. Nobody was fired. Nobody was made to lose their job uh, because of these 13 deaths. And somebody has to answer for the numerous mistakes that were made. And we're seeing the consequences of it. There was just a Gallup poll released last week that said the public's confidence in the American military has dropped to a 25-year low. Only 60 percent of Americans have confidence in the military. Now that is not reflective of these 13 service members. It is not reflective of the, uh, the NCOs or the great enlisted or the good officers. This is a reflection on the leadership, both military and political, who have politicized the military and failed to give proper accountability for families like this and service members, heroic young men and women who gave their lives for our country. Well,
1: Tom, you are on the front line of this. Last question for you. You deal with so many of these families, uh, the combat veterans themselves, wounded warriors, and so forth. How can our viewers and listeners pray most effectively
8: for these families? I think that uh, we need to pray that uh, they have the, the strength and the ability to endure this cross that they've been asked to carry. Um, Jody at Freedom Alliance. We provide college scholarships to families of the fallen and to children of wounded service members. And I can tell you that uh, when a child uh, loses their parent in military service, normally that child is at a young age, maybe two, three, five years old. So when we begin to work with them as they go to college, it's 10, 15 years later uh, after that loss. But the loss is still raw. It is still uh, something that affects them a great deal. And uh, these are lasting injuries that these families have to deal with. I think, you know, in Afghanistan, when the withdrawal from Afghanistan took place, this administration inflicted post-traumatic stress on the entire nation. And now with these lies or these uh, incomplete stories that the families are given, they are, these families are dealing with emotional trauma that has been inflicted by this administration. It is unforgivable. So we need to pray that they have the strength uh, to carry this cross, to bear this burden, to be able to forgive and uh, and to be able to honor uh, their loved ones as time goes on.
1: Tom Kilgannon, president of Freedom Alliance, thank you so much for the Tremendous work you do to these awesome families, and thank you for joining us this evening on Washington Watch. Thank you. All right, I want to continue this discussion on the Biden administration's botched withdrawal of Afghanistan by bringing on our very own retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, who now serves as FRC's Executive Vice President. General Boykin, as many of you know, spent the last four years of his 36-year military career serving as the Deputy Undersecretary of Defense and Intelligence, and he was also one of the original members of the U.S. Army's Delta Force. General, always great to see you, my friend. Thank you for joining us on Washington Watch.
2: Thank you, Jody. I'm delighted to be with you.
1: Well, first of all, let's, uh, I'm, I'm interested in your reaction to some of the testimonies that have come out from these Gold Star families.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, I, I don't even know what to say, Jody. That, that was probably one of the most gripping things that I have seen in my lifetime, recognizing that all of these people that testified yesterday had lost someone close to them. But there they were poised. There was emotion, but they were poised, and they spoke from their heart. And I don't know of anybody that could criticize them or or uh, say anything that uh, would not be true in terms of how they uh, came across and how they poised themselves to do a very difficult task for them.
1: Well, I, I have a clip here that I really want to get your reaction to this is Cheryl Rex. She was one of the family members who testified and she shared yesterday about what President Biden said to her. Uh, So please uh, roll clip five, please.
2: When Joe Biden, our elected president entered the room, when he approached me, his words to me were, "My my wife Jill and I know how you feel. We lost our son as well, and brought him home in a five-draped coffin. My heart started beating faster, and I started shaking, knowing that their son died from cancer and they were able to be by his side.
1: How in the world do you wrap your brain around that, General? What, what are your thoughts when the president of the United States makes such a comment to one of these Gold Star families?
2: Jody, this president has a, a very long history of lying to people, especially to the American people, that uh, he was sw- sworn to support and defend. I find that to be one of the most disgusting things. And uh, I-, I will tell you, Jody, this, this is because we got what we asked for in an administration that does not care about those soldiers. An administ- administration does not understand how critical they are to, to our security. And I'll tell you, what we're seeing right now is the demise of our military. When you see stuff like that and, and you reflect on it for just a moment, you realize we need a commander in chief that not only cares about our soldiers, our sailors, our airmen and our, and, and our Coast Guardsmen, but will do what is right by them to make sure that when the time comes to go to war, they're ready to go to war and win. And all of this woke nonsense that we're getting out of this uh, administration is doing nothing but bringing us down, keeping us from being ready to go to war.
1: You know, I remember that withdrawal like it was yesterday. It's one of those things that will forever be implanted in my mind because it set a, a whole new direction for our congressional office. We, for the next literally almost six months, 24 seven helped families get out. And even as recent as last month, uh, my, my staff were still getting people out. But as we look back, I'm sure you have unbelievable memories yourself, just from your experience in the military. But this looks to be a page in history that this administration simply hopes the American people will forget. And, and frankly, there's good reason why they want everybody to forget, right? I mean, this was a horrible thing. But actually, this administration is still withholding information, still not getting the truth out.
2: I- isn't that correct? That is absolutely correct, Joe. You know, let, let me take a step back. Uh, this uh, this study that came out uh, several days ago, uh, if you look at that thing very carefully, you you find that there's nothing really new in that, not much that's new, but there's a lot of things that we already knew and already believed that has been confirmed by that report. And part of it is they didn't have a plan. They never had a plan. Nobody could identify who had the plan. And the second thing is they ignored the intelligence, the intelligence that told them probably what they needed to know before they went off on this, uh, this adventure, that turned very bleak and very black. And then the thing, final thing is that uh, they ignored their own advisors. They ignored their own people. And, 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 they and did when it all up,
1: that happens, it, it's bad news for everyone. How, how has this impacted our national security, specifically in terms of morale within our military leaders and our military as a whole?
2: Jody, you know, all you have to look at is the uh, suicides or the attempted suicides from those people who fought in Afghanistan and those that were there uh, during this evacuation. And uh, you'd be a little surprised, probably, at the number of people that just could not endure what uh, what they had been part of. And this is the this is the greatest um, debacle, I think, in in U.S. military history and uh it's going to take a long, long time, if ever, for us to get over this. We're going to have to work very hard and we're going to have to have the support of of some leaders. we're going to we're going to have leaders that are willing to focus on making our military fit to fight.
1: General, thirty seconds, what should this administration do this month in recognition of the two year anniversary?
2: Yeah, I think what the administration should do right now is uh, start looking real hard for some leaders, some real hard for leaders, real leaders, real leaders that are willing to go into combat and be ready to fight when they get there. And that is not what we have right now as leaders.
1: Well, General Jerry Boykin, you are one of those phenomenal leaders. Thank you for your incredible service to our country and your continued service to the kingdom of God through the Family Research Council, all of us give you a big salute and gratitude. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. All right, friends, that wraps up this Tuesday edition of Washington Watch. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you have a fantastic remainder of your day and be sure to join us tomorrow as we continue keeping you informed. We'll see you then.
0: Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council
7: 7234.